Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, we're continuing in our series, Living as a Passionate Lifelong Follower of Jesus. Here's the key concept today. A passionate follower of Jesus shows the hope and shares the hope. 1 Peter chapter 3 is where we'll be today, and as you find that, let me ask you this question. Have you ever been lost? Now, I'm not talking about spiritually lost for a moment. We'll talk physical here. Have you ever been physically lost, totally confused? I mean, driving in circles, late for the meeting, sweating palms, going the wrong way up a runway street. Have you ever been that lost? I'm talking about driving on the sidewalk when nobody is looking. <laughs> Lost, right? doesn't happen that much anymore because now we have GPS and the little lady in the box tells me exactly where to go. Have you ever had the little lady in the box tell you the, the wrong directions? Oh, yeah. And then you're really lost because we've come to depend on her. One time she wanted to send me into a field. I said, that's not right. I was lost. Over the course of making a trip, when you're lost, what you need is you need a sign. You need a signpost, somebody to give you directions or something to give you directions. And signposts are all along the way, even though we have GPS showing us the directions. Still, it's good to see the signs, to know you're okay. And they come in all shapes and sizes. Some signs are clearer than others. Some signs are better than others. Sometimes we pick it up early, and sometimes as they whiz right by, and I'm like, what? I was supposed to read that. Sometimes they're not exactly clear what they're intending you to do. You know, is that sign telling me to turn left or veer left or how am I supposed to do this? But you, you need signs along the way. Some signs are faded and covered over and so you really can't get the message that you need to get. But having a sign to follow is vital if we're going to get to our destination. Even if the sign comes from the GPS that's in my phone, I need a sign. And the same is true of coming to Christ. And you who know Christ as personal Savior, you are the signposts for others to follow in the way that you have come. And in order for a sign to be effective, it needs to be clear. Right? So who was it who pointed you to Jesus? Maybe it was a coworker, or maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was your parents, and you grew up in a home hearing about Jesus, and they pointed you to what it means to know Him as Savior and Lord. Now, if you accepted Christ as a teenager or later, the chances are that the person who pointed you to Jesus first did so by the example of their life, and then by the words that they connected to that example. And that's exactly what Peter is talking about in the passage we're going to look at this morning. First uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 15. He shows us how the way you live and the words you say go together. Read it with me. It says this, But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. You see how the way you live and the words that you say are going to go together. Show the hope and share the hope. And all of this together, we put over it the word 
witness. It's being a witness. Jesus says in first uh, in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you will be my witnesses. He doesn't say some of you might be my witnesses. He says you will be my witnesses. It's not a question of if we are a witness or not. The question is, are we good witnesses? Are we the kind of signposts that are pointing in the right direction? And it has to do with the way we live and the words that we speak. Both. Neither are off the table. And I know that for some people, telling people about Jesus comes naturally. For some people, it just seems to say to be that they are able to weave stories about Christ into all their conversations. Somehow they can kind of bring up where they are spiritually, just on a day-to-day basis. Others of us tend to choke a little bit on those words. Our palms get sweaty. Our throat gets a little dry. We begin to have palpitations. Is God wanting me to say something here? But for all of us, both the words and the way we live matter. Today we can look at some foundational principles on how to be a witness. Number one, share the love of Jesus in the way that you live. You are a person of hope if you know Christ as Savior. You need to show that. That's the assumption that Peter has here. You are a person of hope in a way that those who are outside of a relationship with Christ have no idea about. You have a strength of hope that others would long for if they realize that it's there. Peter says, let that hope shine in the way that you live. And it's not about being perky all the time. This is not about personality. It's not about disposition. It doesn't matter what you're like before your first cup of coffee in the morning. It's about recognizing who you really are. You are a person who has God-given hope in your life. And people need hope. They need to hear that there is somebody who loves them. They need to hear that they are cared for, that the struggles of everyday life are being observed, that their eternal soul is valuable. They need to know that as they pray, somebody is listening. Most people don't have that hope. Most people just live through the week to get to the weekend. Just plod through the week to hope maybe I'll have some fun on the weekend. And that's it. It's a one-layer life, but you have a multi-layered hope. And it's something we need to project. And how do you do it? You do it by caring more than, than usual. You, knew, you do it by helping and sharing and, and, and uh, being a person of assistance more than is normal. Why? Because when you are a person filled with hope, it's not all about you anymore. I can relax and care for others. The hopeful person, Earl Palmer, in one of his books, talks about a a real situation in a pre-med student who was studying at Berkeley. And this pre-med student claimed to be an agnostic, didn't want to hear anything about spiritual stuff. You know, it was all about science, all about medicine. He's going to be a doctor. And this pre-med student was in an organic chemistry class that he absolutely had to get a good grade in if he was going to get into med school. And he got the flu. And he was sick, I mean, really sick. And he couldn't get to class, he couldn't do his assignments, and it was looking bad. This was an important moment in his life. And a classmate who was a follower of Jesus 
understood what he was going through. He started bringing in the notes from the class. He started taking extra notes. He collected the, that sick student's assignments and he brought it in. He took time out of his own study schedule to tutor that student so that he could keep on track and not lose what he desperately needed there in that organic chemistry class. Now that, fast forward, that sick student is now a doctor and a committed Christian. And this is how it happened. He said, I wanted to know why this guy was helping me so much. And so I just watched. You know, they didn't really just start hanging out all the time, but he just watched. And he noticed that guy went to church. And one day he said, could I go to church with you? And God took it from there. And God took it from there. Why? Because hope was shining through in actions of love and care through that guy's life. A while back in the publication, Our Daily Bread, they had a story about a, a wealthy Christian woman who lives in Kenya. She hired a houseboy. A houseboy, probably you don't have a houseboy, I would imagine, so here's what a houseboy does. Houseboy kind of does the chores around the house, runs the errands for the house, and, and so forth. And, and uh, she, he was in her employ for three months, doing a great job. She thought everything was fine. And then after three months, he came to her and said, uh, uh, I'm leaving. I'd like a letter of reference. It surprised her. She said, why, why are you quitting? I think this is going great. As a matter of fact, I'd be happy to give you a raise if that's the issue. Let, let me give you a raise. And he says, no, that's, it's not about the pay. But I'm wrestling with a decision. I want to know if I should become a Muslim or a Christian. And so I decided the way to find out is I've worked three months in your house. You're a Christian woman. Now I'm going to go across town. I'm going to work three months in a Muslim household to see the difference because I'm making the decision. And you know what that woman's reaction was? What do you think it was? Why didn't you tell me? Because all of a sudden, a tape started playing in her mind, maybe things that she would have done differently, words that she would have said differently, if she understood that she was being watched to know whether or not Jesus is real. <laughs> the fact is, if you're a follower of Jesus, get, get this, you're being watched. There are people around you who want to find out. You show up to church on Sunday after Sunday. And so they want to know, are you honest? Are you humble? Are you approachable? They want to know, do you keep your commitments and do you honor your word? Do you refrain from anger? Do you give eight hours work for eight hours pay to your boss? When others are down and pessimistic and really just can't see, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel, are you the one who's able to be hopeful? Do you approach life with a positive attitude or do you forget from Monday to Saturday that you are a child of the King and eternally His? They want to know, is money less important to you than others? Are the latest fads less important to you than in the lives who don't know Jesus? See, lifestyle demonstrates what we really are placing our hope in. Show the hope but also share it. Witnessing is what we're talking about today. And you can witness in your lifestyle, but guess what? Eventually you have to witness with words. There's got to be an explanation. There's got to be 
a story. Now, we have given witnessing a bad rap in the church because we have somehow convinced ourselves that it's all about corralling people into a verbal corner where they don't know how to get out. It's all about having all the theological answers that could ever possibly come up before we open our mouths. It's all about the sales pitch. No, it's not. Witnessing is not a performance. Witnessing is not a sales job. You can never argue anybody into the kingdom of God. Jesus himself said this to the disciples as he predicted that they'd be in situations where they had to recall words. He says this in Luke 21, but make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves, for I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. He's picturing a a situation where they're being confronted. But really, in our everyday lives, it really just boils down to being sensitive to the Lord's leading. Prayerfully saying, Lord, do you want me to say something here? Now, the disciples had the basic message. They knew the basic message of the hope that they had in Jesus Christ. And if you know Christ as personal Savior, so do you. But I believe that it is crucial for you to be equipped to represent Jesus well, to have at your command a few basic verses from the Bible to say, well, this is what the Bible says about what we can have in Jesus Christ. I'm going to share you my go-to verse. This is the verse that I use over and over, and I just pray as I share that the Holy Spirit will use it because I can't convince anybody. But here's the verse, Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord or in Jesus Christ our Lord. I have, in my mind, I have so many translations, I kind of put them all together. But you can memorize that verse. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. In that verse, the entire gospel story is there. The whole message about the fact that we have a problem separated from God because of our sin. But Jesus solved that problem. He paid the wages, the result, died on the cross. And he wants to give us the the result of his work on the cross, which is forgiveness. And it's a gift you take by faith. That is something all of you can do, all of you can say. It's right there. And it boils down to being willing to be honest. Don't exaggerate your spiritual experience, but don't play it down for fear that you're going to sound like a kook. Maybe you are a kook. That's okay. Rejoice in your kookiness. But share the hope that you have. See, many of you have stories of wonderful transformation in your life. You are radically different today than you were because of Jesus. Many of you have stories where you have been protected from some of the darkest things of life because of Jesus. That's a great story. Be willing to be honest about that because that's what witnessing boils down to, simply being honest. Not thinking that in front of these people, I want to make sure they don't find out I'm a Christian. And I want to challenge you with that. Are there people in your life that you have decided in front of these people, I'm not going to let them know that I'm a Christian? That's fundamentally dishonest. If we were as honest about our relationship with Jesus as we are about our opinion of baseball or politics or the latest TV show, you know, I think real spiritual work would be done. 
Simply be honest. And how do you gain the ability to be more transparent and more real just in the relationships of life about what Jesus has me- means to, to us? It's in the first sentence of this, the verse we're looking at. Here's the secret. In your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. That's what it's really all about. Look at the verse 14, and he warns us. He says, do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened, but in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Peter contrasts setting apart Jesus as Lord in your heart with the opposite of fearing what everybody else fears, dreading what everybody else dreads. He's saying, no, you have to have a different priority. You have a, 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 different, a different set of rules. Why? Because you have a king, the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't fear the opinion of people. Fear offending him. You have a king, the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't fall into obedience with the ways of the world. Fall into obedience with him. Set apart Christ as Lord. And when you do, transparency will follow because that's just who you are. Peter is connecting, actually, to the words of Isaiah from chapter 8. He says, do not call conspiracy everything these people call conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear. Do not dread it. Isaiah is saying the exact same thing that Peter is saying, and that is simply get the priorities right. Who do you really serve? It's not the opinions of the world. It's your king and master, King Jesus. Set apart Christ as Lord. Fear the right thing. Be willing to tell your story. But when you tell the story or, or, and you share what Christ has done in your life, do you see the end of verse 15? But do this with gentleness and respect. Your words of witness are not bullets, they're seeds. Do it with gentleness and respect. It has to do with the way you treat people. I'll tell you a true story about Jerry Falwell. You remember Jerry Falwell? His son Jonathan is now the president of Liberty University, I guess the name of the school is, used to be Liberty Bible College. Jerry Falwell, his father uh, founded that. One time, Jerry Falwell and his son were, were on a plane, and on that same plane was Larry Flint, the pornographer. Jerry Falwell fell into a conversation with him. They talked about all kinds of things, politics, the world, sports, so forth and so on. And afterwards, Jonathan, who was shocked that his father would talk to this man who publishes, is famous for publishing pornography, he said, Dad, you were talking to him just like he was a member of the church. Why? And here's the answer. One day, Larry will be hurting and lonely, and he will need help. He's going to pick up the phone and call someone. I want to be the someone that he calls, and I have to earn the right for that. See, who in your life is in that category? Not that they make pornography, but that they're going to, they're going to, sorry. (laughs) But you know that they're far from the Lord, and there's going to be a situation in which they'll need somebody someday. See, what you do now, you show the hope, so you earn the right to be the somebody that they call someday. Or you take the opportunity when God puts you together in a situation and you feel the nudge of the Spirit, then to speak the hope. Seeds, not bullets. Who is it that God would have you to pray for in this regard or to speak to? Gently nudge with respect in the direction of hope. Maybe make an invitation to church or 
Here's a strategy. With this, I'm going to come to a conclusion, but we are setting aside a special day. Right in the middle of Advent, when people are talking about Christmas and thinking about the Christmas story and everything else, December 8th, we're setting aside a special Sunday. Write it down. Save the date. It's called Connect to Church Sunday. What our hope is that we can reach out into our city, and for those who don't have a church connection throughout the Advent season, make the case to come and hear the real story of Christmas. We're going to do that on social media. We're going to do that on advertising and all this kind of stuff that we do. But it will not work unless you are willing to make an invitation for that special day or before. Because who knows? Remember that story? God did the rest. God took it from there. We can all be a part of that. The key to that is right now to be prayerful about who you will invite. What is it? It is showing the hope and sharing the hope as God leads. A passionate, lifelong follower of Jesus is a witness. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that we know there's opportunities to share the story. We, we all have neighbors. We all have family members and people around us who don't prioritize the things of God, but, Lord, we, I know you love them. We know you love them. So help us love them enough to be the hopeful witness we need to be. It takes courage because we're going against the way of the world. But give us that courage, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe you're here and you need prayer today, whatever you're facing in life, or maybe it is to say yes to Jesus for the first time. I've been speaking to Christians, but if that's not necessarily you, you slip forward and meet with the prayer counselors by the organ in a moment as we're dismissed. They will wait for you. But first, let's stand together or we'll sing a a closing song and have a prayer. And I've picked the song that goes along with what we're talking about. See if you know this song. I love to tell the story, twill be my theme in glory, to tell the old, old story of Jesus and His love. Once again, I love to tell the story, twill be my theme in glory, to tell the old, old story of Jesus and His love. Lord Jesus, as we leave this place and face another week, we pray that we get to tell the story. In the way that we live and in the words that we say, help us represent you well. In your name we ask it. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming today.